black helicopter crowd notion. The tyranny is always lurking just around the corner. It's crazy, but now they're right. Black helicopter crowd really is upset. The people are stupid and they're drunk. There'll be a revolution and they're going to lose. There are too many guns and too many people ready to fight them. I am a man of peace, but we have gangsters running this country. Criminals, gangsters. We're normal. We see total criminal takeover, the death of freedom. It is the most corrupt, degenerate, criminal government in American history. I'm trying to awaken people, but look at the morons around you. They're zombies. joining the online studio you are unmuted and can speak with the host in june 1980 a man was found dead in a coal yard mining station more than 20 miles from his home with strange burn marks on his neck and shoulders who or what could have done this this week we're checking out the strange disappearance and death of zygmunt adamski Zygmunt was a coal miner who lived in a village of Tingley in West Yorkshire, England. He spent most of his early life in Poland, where that's his home country. But in 1960, in his mid-30s, him and his wife, Lottie, they made the decision to relocate to the UK, where they were trying to start a new life together. So he didn't grow up there. Once he moved there, he quickly made new friends. Everyone liked him. He settled in very well into the small town life of this rural England. And everyone that knew him knew that he wasn't somebody that was getting into confrontations, wasn't getting into shoving matches at the bar. No, none of that. But anyway, but that's why it was such a surprise, a shock, when Zygmunt just completely disappeared into thin air. It's a cold case that's still unsolved. One beautiful spring morning, Zygmunt leaves to go to the market. Before he goes, he stops, has a short conversation with his neighbor, and then heads along on his merry way for the one-mile walk to the market. And that was the last time anyone had seen him alive ever again. For almost a week, people, police, were searching for him, wondering where he had gone. Until, until that day, they found him. Fast forward to June 11th, five days later, his body turns up in a coal yard mining station in Tadmorden, over 20 miles from his home. The coal yard's owner's son, named Trevor Parker, was opening the compound gates at almost quarter to 4 p.m. in preparation for the afternoon shift, and that's when he spotted Adamski's body lying on top of a 12-foot-high coal pile. So Mr. Parker immediately calls the authorities and Alan Godfrey arrives on the scene. He was a police officer, and when questioned, Parker explained that the last time he'd been at the yard was 11 that morning, 11 a.m., and Adamski's body wasn't there at that time. He went on and explained further that he closed and locked the gates as he left earlier, and to his knowledge, no one visited the coal yard since he left then. So, since he left, which means from the time period of 11 a.m., 4 p.m. that his body must have appeared there at some point within those several hours. When the police officer arrived he radioed for an ambulance and once the paramedics got there it was determined that he suffered a massive cardiac arrest but on closer examination and due to a number of strange circumstances authorities started to think that maybe there was some foul play involved. First and foremost, one of the most obvious things were the second-degree burn marks on the back of his neck and his shoulders. 
And another strange thing was, these were covered with a strange gel-like substance, which more than likely indicates that someone was trying to treat these injuries. And secondly, the way he was found was also suspicious, since the overall appearance of his body was not consistent with a death by natural causes. For example, how he was dressed. He was dressed as if he was crudely redressed after his death by someone who was unfamiliar with the process of dressing. With someone who didn't really know what they were doing, I guess you could say. Like his coat, for example, was buttoned up the wrong way. His pants and his belt weren't fastened properly, and neither were his shoes. His wife would later report that the shirt he was wearing on that day he vanished was now missing, and his wallet and watch. So basically, he was wearing different clothes, somewhat different clothes. At least a different shirt. Now keep in mind, we still don't know where he was during these five days. However, his clothes were in good condition. So that ruled out the possibility that maybe he was sleeping on park benches and dumpsters because we still don't know where he was during these five days. But wherever he was, his clothes were still in good condition for someone that was missing for five days. Furthermore, another strange factor was how his, his body was clean he was clean for somebody that has been missing for five days so we don't know where they are but they're not home this is somebody that came out they find his body laying on top of a coal pile and he's completely clean it's like he's just stepped out the shower and even though he was missing for almost a week he only showed like a one day's worth of stubble on his face so during these five days he had a fresh shave completely clean and he's laying on a 12-foot pile of coal. Wouldn't he be dirty? He would have got some schmutz on him if he climbed up on that and died there. So it's almost as if he was placed there. So that's why this is so strange, because he had no trace of coal dust on his skin or clothing. So it doesn't appear that he actually climbed the rock pile. He would have gotten... He would have got some schmutz on him. He would have gotten some of that on him. So yeah, that's the craziest thing because there was no, he had nothing on him to indicate he climbed there. And besides the fact there, were, there was also no sign of footprints or anything on this pile of coal. So it doesn't even look like anyone climbed up there and placed him there. Now that's just so strange because it's almost as if he was placed there gently from above. But that's... That couldn't have happened, could it? Oh, and one more thing. The officer went on to describe how Adamski's face had looked contorted with terror, which was later confirmed by the coroner who said that he must have experienced some type of great fear or pain at the time of his passing. And the coroner concluded that Zygmunt must have died between the hours of 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on that Wednesday the day his body was found. They said he had eaten well during the time he was missing, although not on the day he died. It was also discovered that the burns on the back of his neck and shoulders were inflicted, well, received by him two days prior to his death. And the craziest part was this strange gel-like substance that they applied, well, that was applied to the burns was tested from a laboratory and they couldn't be identified. And of course, 
when they cross-reference any local hospitals, there was no records of him visiting any local hospital for burns for any reason whatsoever. He was a sound mind. You know, he wasn't somebody that was a nutcase. He even had plans to attend a family wedding after the day after he vanished. So, and he was looking forward to that. So this man disappeared without a trace for five days, was eating good, sleeping well, taken care of, got burnt, got burnt up. Uh, it's just really, it's just really mysterious, you know, when you're thinking about it. You know, like the burn marks on his body, where they come from, this mysterious ointment, like this icy hot from the Milky Way galaxy or something like that. You got the fact that he's laying on top of a 12 foot high pile of coal, which is an, an odd enough place to be found dead, let alone to be found laying on your back face up on the top of a of a little mini hill of coal and not have one speck of coal dust on you. Hands completely clean. It's just strange. He would have got some schmutz on him. He would have gotten some of that on him. It raises some interesting questions. At that time, people were actually trying to put two and two together and kind of were left with the fact that it could have been an alien abduction. People were thinking that and it was in the tabloids, you know, people were gossiping and even though it was far-fetched, people couldn't technically dismiss it. I mean, technically, according to them, I mean, it just so happens that Todd Morden and the surrounding areas were kind of considered a UFO hotspot. So, I mean, could it, why, 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 <laughs> why not? So, but the people that really were thinking it was, put it this way. It's a well-known UFO hotspot, and the, the people pushing this theory are even talking about the fact that that officer I talked about a little earlier, he later on said that he was abducted. So we could call that officer, Alan Godfrey, who, who found, who was the one that was called to the scene to find Zygmunt's dead body. He later on would become an alleged alien abductee. So this is just another layer to the story. Unfortunately, we don't have anything in the mailbag today, but do you have a question or comment for WBHNNJ? Leave us a voicemail and it may get played on the air. Call 1-732-807-5574 to leave your message for us here at the podcast. We always look forward to comments, questions, and what have you from literally all over the world. And we enjoy hearing what you have to say. So give us a call at 1-732-807-5574. And the story just doesn't end here because this story dovetails with another one with this with the story of Alan Godfrey. I can, whatever, but the cop, the officer at the time. So his story has somehow become linked. Well, not somehow. I mean, you could put two and two together. It's been in, it's become inextricably linked. So in November 1980, six months after Zygmunt's body was found. Godfrey, that officer that reported him, that right, you know what I'm talking about. Godfrey was on duty in the early hours of the morning, and he was called to investigate a report, bizarre reports, about a herd of cows, which were apparently spotted appearing and disappearing 
all over some local estate, someone's land. So as he's driving down the road, Burnley Road, towards the location of the sighting where they saw the cows were appearing and disappearing and reappearing, he saw what looked like an overturned double-decker bus about 200 meters ahead of him. He thought it could have been a shift bus for the local coal miners at the mining station. And he thought maybe it was a terrible accident because it looked like it was overturned. It was laying on its side. So he thought that something bad happened, so he slowed down to check it out. But as he got closer, he saw that the object wasn't even a bus at all. It was actually hovering off the ground, allegedly. Five feet off the ground to be specific. Hovering five feet off the ground. It looks like a double-decker bus. What could this thing be? He, he tried calling for assistance. He tried calling Rod Farva, but he found out, you know what, his radio wasn't working. That's strange. Not knowing what else he could do, so he just wrote down a time and started sketching the object. These are days before cell phones, so he couldn't just snap a quick picture. He had to, he had to break out a napkin and a pen. And, and, uh, but after completing the drawing, he looked up, and the thing was that ship, that whatever you want to call that, that thing that looked like an overturned bus that was hovering, that thing just poof pulled a disappearing act so as he's looking around he's like where'd this thing go he's looking and looking and then he realizes that his car was further down the road than it was before when he got there like a quarter of a mile farther strange very strange so he looks at his watch and it looks like only apparently one minute has passed but later he finds out later he found out that it was damn near a half hour and a half hour of time, which he couldn't account for. Um, I mean, later on, he discovered, looking down at his shoes, the soles of his police boots were split at the toe. That was consistent with being dragged along the ground. But again, he has no memory of being dragged along the ground. But afterwards, he returned back to the police station and asked some of some co-workers to help him search for the missing cattle which were eventually found in a rain-soaked field, the only access to which was through a locked gate. Just another one of those things that make you go, hmm. Oh, and even though the recent rainstorms that just totally softened the ground, there were no, no footprints, no hoof prints, nothing. Like Sigmund, it was as if they were somehow placed down from above, which is technically impossible so following protocol godfrey reported that situation uh with the object the overturned bus that was hovering and later that morning he found out that yet another driver on that same road not three miles up from where he was had also seen a white light and reported it to well had seen a white light and reported it to the police two weeks later fast forward Nothing happens, but people started getting word of Godfrey's experience. It leaked to the press, and suddenly he, suddenly he and his department were under a great deal of embarrassment. I mean, this is 
this is somebody you would consider, I don't want to say, like a good cop, I guess you could say, I guess. He was maybe even borderline outstanding. He had two commendations for previous police work. <clears throat> and all because of that report where he just explained or tried to explain what happened to him. It alienated him, no pun intended. It alienated him to his colleagues and pushed him out of favor with his superiors. People started doubting him. People started thinking maybe the lights are on but no one's home. Maybe he's not playing with a full deck. But it's crazy because he had a once prestigious career and it was thrown down the toilet. And he eventually left the police force over this, over this bullshit. Because his fellow police officers just talking shit about him. So much for a brotherhood. You know, many years down the line, like several or so, he did undergo hypnotic regression to recall that day. And it, it, it worked. And it's probably going to be a rabbit hole that we're going to have to go down. <laughs> but, just, but not yet. Hold on. We'll get there. But, but just for now, it carried its own disturbing connotations, the results of that. The results of his hypnotic regression unearthed some truly frightening, disturbing memories. And we'll go down that rabbit hole a little later in the episode, assuming I can find information on this. When he recounted the story of Zygmunt, Godfrey was able to clearly see that it was one of the strangest cases he's ever been assigned to. But regardless of his own experience later that year, six months later after the Zygmunt case. At that time, he was definitely somewhat unsure whether UFOs had been involved. He didn't rule it out, but he wasn't really subscribing to that theory, but he didn't rule it out. I mean, think about it. The man was on top of a pile of coal, clean as a button. How did he get there? Why was he freshly shave shaven? Where where did he get those burn marks? Too many questions. 25 years later, British UFO Research Association investigators interviewed members of Zygmunt's family and found that he actually had not been looking forward to his goddaughter's wedding, which adds another twist to the story. Could he have taken off on his own? But why would he take off for five days? Why would he run away to avoid a wedding? Well, there had been apparently a family feud during this time, and a female relative had coincidentally or subsequently moved in with Zygmunt Adamski's family, with his wife Lottie, with his light with his wife Lottie Dottie, who likes to party. So, this relative, this female that was staying with the Adamskis, with Zygmunt's family had taken out a restraining order on her husband. So, I mean, you could see that could be a possible red flag. Maybe the husband was on a rampage. Like, how dare you take my wife in? <laughs> how dare you let her run away from me to you? This guy apparently was abusive and toxic. How toxic was he? Maybe he was capable of murder? <laughs>
Interrupting your regularly scheduled program to bring you this terrifying report. It was almost as if it were a planned implosion. It just pancakes. Jane, what more can you tell us about the Salomon Brothers building and its collapse? New York very much a city still in chaos. The phones are not working properly. The subway lines are not working properly. The sky now black with smoke in front of us. Just across the Tigris River here. This is shock and awe, Tom, for the population of Baghdad. Shock and awe, indeed. The people you liberate will witness the honorable and decent spirit of the American military. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. Come on. It is a big idea, a new world order. I love my dad. I'd kill for him. I'd go to prison for him because I love him so much. I love Bill Clinton. What does that make Hillary Clinton to the Bush family? <laughs> My sister-in-law. When you are subverting the power of government, that, that's a fundamentally dangerous thing to democracy. What do you think of Edward Snowden? I think he's a traitor. Obama is the one that kills the U.S. troops if the Russians bomb any of them. Obama is the one that put them in harm's way. Obama is the one using them as human shields. It is the most corrupt degenerate criminal government in American history. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. Welcome to America, ISIS. This is what we do. Woo! We got people that have taken your asses out in this building right now. We're armed to the teeth, and we're not scared. You got that, you sons of bitches? In 2012, your agency was saying, quote, the Salafists, the Muslim Brotherhood, and Al-Qaeda in Iraq are the major forces driving the insurgents in Syria. Mm -hmm. In 2012, the U.S. was helping coordinate arms transfers to those same groups. Why did you not stop that? Why didn't you come forward before? What were you waiting for? Well, for you, Inspector, I needed you. I suddenly had this feeling that everything was connected. Ready for it. You're listening to Black Helicopter News. And now, on a lighter note, here's what's making him. So, once that information came to light, two theories formed, which were talking about maybe where this man could have been during those five days. On one side of the issue, the British UFO organization, they came to the conclusion that Zygmunt was kidnapped by the female relative's husband and held in a shed and tortured with battery acid. And that's how he would have had the fatal cardiac arrest. Plausible. That would explain why he was fed, fed well for five days until he killed him. That might explain why the clothes were put on hastily. Another man dressing another man. No one's doing that. No one's gonna do that. So I mean, of course, you're not gonna tighten his belt just right if you know if you if he's torturing him for five days. I mean, he's throwing the clothes on. He's another guy. He's not gonna be like tucking in the shirt just right, buttoning it up right. No, I mean he's just gonna throw it on and dispose of the body. So that's theory A. And you know it could have been, it could be plausible. Like I said. And, you know, maybe this husband, this guy that had the restraining order, maybe he just was torturing him, panicked, dumped the body. 
but still there's still unanswered questions where that's not totally i mean it's it's not set in stone we still don't know i mean that's a, that's theory a seems plausible i mean technically zygman was neutral in this situation in this family feud so why was he kidnapped this actually i mean he, he was neutral in the situation but i was just thinking about this recently how fucked up human beings are where the truly evil will attack the truly good just because they can get away with it <laughs> so people are savage like that so i mean it's i mean it's a theory so if he's neutral why would he be the target of rage but then again people are fucked up so maybe that's the case but technically what could what could he achieve by abducting him nothing second zygmunt if his clothes were found put on him hastily why was he undressed so i mean if that that estranged husband that toxic misogynist whatever the fuck why would he undress another man you know what i mean that's very strange <laughs> men just don't go around undressing each other i'm sorry and besides that what was that space age icy hot that was on his skin like what was what was that that was put on the burns and the second of all, why would the person harm him and then try to heal, like, heal the wounds that they put on him? So it's really just strange. What are the burn marks? Where? What, what, what the hell? Why was his body dumped on that coal pile in broad day? Why? Why not at night? Why not behind, like, the dumpster of the coal yard like why would it be in such a strange conspicuous place why <laughs> like so many questions oh and besides that how did the person dump his body get access to the locked coal yard maybe he broke in maybe he had a way in but still he left no trace no fingerprints but finally and most importantly why was no one ever arrested or charged over the kidnapping so Theory A is is not going to cut it. It's far from conclusive. Now, other people believe that it was extraterrestrial biological entities that were somehow involved and apparently abducted him at some time on June 6th as he made his way to the market. And they're saying that maybe he was held in a type of suspended animation, which would explain the lack of, you know, he had that stubble, that fresh shave, that one day stubble. And the appearance that he'd been eating healthy for the last five, you know, several days. So maybe according to these crackpots, conspiracy theorists, whatever you want to call them, well, fuck it. What they're thinking, though, is that he was pulled out of stasis and overcome with shock at what was happening. And he had a massive cardiac arrest and died. Maybe. But the possible involvement of UFOs will bring up even more questions. They did report Zygmunt's wallet and watch were missing. So that's why some people are saying that maybe it's not Theory B. His wallet was missing. They took his gold Rockefeller chain. They took his pinky ring. They took his gold teeth. No, I'm just kidding. You know, and in general, in that field, you know, accounts of supposed abduction cases still suggest that even though it's scary uh, and you might feel some discomfort, However, supposedly, i got to keep saying preempting this and qualifying it, but supposedly, majority of the cases say that they, that they are benign beings and they really don't want to hurt their subjects. 
But then again, why was he burned? Why did he have malicious looking burn marks? Could have been an accident, was it on purpose? If it was an accident, maybe that could explain why he was being treated. They put that Space Jam vapor rub on him, which couldn't even be identified by modern science. Remember, it was sent to the lab and nobody could figure out what it was. But I guess that sci-fi icy hot couldn't have been too good. Didn't heal the burns. But finally, why though? Would his captors or whoever the hell had him, why would he be dumped on a coal heap? In broad day at that. Why leave any mystery? Why wouldn't you just hide it somewhere where no one's going to find it? Could it have been a feeling of guilt? Or a feeling that he should be returned to his home? We don't know. These are just questions that emerge from the facts. Well, whatever way you cut it, whatever way you slice it, whatever way you look at it, you can't deny that there is more to this mystery than meets the eye. And even though the family feud scenario being abducted by an abusive spouse of a female family relative is the most plausible of the two theories, theory A and theory B, it's still not conclusive. And any other assumptions, regardless, any other theories, regardless of how fantastical they are, can't be ruled out completely. Maybe there's another reason, maybe there's a hundred other reasons why he disappeared that day. But whatever the explanation is, it's still another chapter in history of another unsolved case. An unsolved mystery, folks. What do you think? What do you think happened? But the only thing I gotta say is rest in peace. F in the chats for respect for Zygmunt Adamski. Muted.